Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry, and with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. This week we've been talking about an LDS position that states that there are inhabitants on other planets. They also use the word worlds or even earths. On Monday, we referred to an article that was written by a Latter-day Saint educator, a man by the name of Larry C. Porter, who is Professor Emeritus of Church History and Doctrine at Brigham Young University. And he was also very involved in the church educational uh, department on the seminary institute level and so forth. But he wrote an article that appeared in the 1985 New Era magazine, and as we explained, the New Era at that time was a periodical meant for young people in the LDS Church. The article title was, Is Jesus Christ the Savior of All the Worlds God Created or Just Ours? And we've been making a case to show that LDS leaders have clearly stated not only are there people on other planets that are humans just like us, we know this because they defend that position by saying that they are part of the spirit offspring of God the Father and Heavenly Mother that were created originally in the spirit world or in the pre-existence, you might say. So if that's the case, where are they? Well, they're all over the place, apparently, and it seems from some of the comments that have been made that they are going through the same types of experiences that we are going through on this earth. And I raise the question, does that mean then that they're was a tempter of that earth? Does that mean that there was a different savior on that earth? Does it mean that there was a Joseph Smith on that earth who brought forth the restored gospel and the restored church? If they are going through the same experiences, I think that those are fair questions. Well, in Larry Porter's article, he goes on to defend the position that not only are there other human beings on other worlds, but that Jesus is, in fact, the Savior of those human beings on those worlds. Now, how that works out, they don't give us a lot of details. But he goes on in this article to say, relative to the role of the Son as Redeemer to this earth— the prophet Enoch received an explanation of Adam's fall and also was told that, quote, the Son of God hath atoned for original guilt, end quote. And he's citing from the book of Moses, chapter 6, verse 54. Now, the book of Moses is not a book that we consider to be scripture. This is a unique part of LDS scripture. Porter goes on to say, that he was further informed that under the conditions of that atonement, mankind would be, quote, cleansed by blood, even the blood of mine only begotten, that he might be sanctified from all sin and enjoy the words of eternal life in this world and eternal life in the world to come, even immortal glory. Again, citing from Moses chapter 6, verse 59. 
He continues, if redemption is the work of the Lord in this earth, what then is understood concerning his participation as a redeemer in the other worlds referred to? The prophet Joseph Smith expanded our understanding of Christ's relationship to those habitations. While at the John Johnson home in Hiram, Ohio, during 1832, he and Sidney Rigdon beheld what has been referred to as a quote-unquote vision of glories. Concerning this revelation, they bore witness, quote, and this is from Doctrine and Covenants, section 76, verses 22 through 24. It says, And now, after the many testimonies which have been given of him, this is the testimony, last of all, which we give of him, that he lives. For we saw him even on the right hand of God, and we heard the voice bearing record that he is the only begotten of the Father, that by him and through him and of him the worlds are and were created, and the inhabitants thereof are begotten sons and daughters unto God. Now, first of all, we need to explain. This is coming from the Doctrine and Covenants. Now, if you're a Latter-day Saint, you're going to argue, see, this didn't really come from Joseph Smith. This comes from God himself. Well, you're going to have to be a faithful Latter-day Saint to draw that conclusion. And of course, we are not faithful Latter-day Saints, and we don't draw that conclusion. So we would pin this on Joseph Smith. Again, we would argue as evangelicals that there are no Bible verses that supports anything close to this. But as I mentioned earlier in the week, once you embrace Joseph Smith as a prophet of God, basically you're giving him permission to say anything he wants. And if you are going to be faithful to his alleged calling, you're going to believe what he is saying, even though what he is saying is not supported by the Bible. Now, Larry Porter goes on in this explanation in the very next paragraph. Christ's acts of redemption in other worlds, which are certainly implied but not directly stated in the above reference, were clarified by the prophet Joseph Smith years later. During the Nauvoo period of 1843, the prophet gave a poetic interpretation of his earlier vision of heaven from Doctrine and Covenants section 76. By way of introduction to Joseph's poem, the editor of the Times and Seasons said of the illuminating verse to follow. Well, before we get into that verse, we should explain that the Times and Seasons was a periodical also in the early years of Mormonism in the Nauvoo period, as is mentioned. And so you had a lot of statements made by Joseph Smith that are recorded in the Times and Seasons, as well as newsy articles of what was going on in that city at that time. But what did the Times and Seasons have to say? And this is a quote from Times and Seasons, volume 4, page 81. It says, Uncontrolled by the narrow limits of this earth and raised above all sublunary objects, his mind soars aloft unto other kingdoms, unravels the secrets of eternity, and contemplates the organization of worlds in other spheres together with the laws that govern other worlds and the state of their inhabitants. And then there's a poem that comes with this, and this is also found in Volume 4 of the Times and Seasons, page 82 and 83. Now, this is taken from stanzas 18 to 20. I don't know if we need to read all of it, but basically, what's the gist of this poem? We find it in the last portion that's cited by Mr. Porter. Well, that God's daughters and sons were a part of these different worlds. In fact, the last stanza, I will read it. Whose inhabitants, too, from the first to the last, 
are saved by the very same Savior of ours, and of course are begotten God's daughters and sons by the very same truths and the very same powers. So if I were to raise the question, as I did earlier in this week, does do these other worlds have their own Savior? The Mormon would probably say, well, not a different one, it's the same one. Well, does that also say to us that they have to have the same person bring forth the restored gospel? You see, if they're going through the same things that we are going through, that's what complicates this whole thing. And would there only be an apostasy of this world? You would think it would be something that's on all of these worlds. You can imagine just how confusing and complex this kind of an idea can get. Well, this is where they get this idea. To us, it does come through Joseph Smith, but they would argue, because it's in the Doctrine and Covenants, no, it's not Joseph Smith, because these are revelations that are given to Joseph Smith by the God of Joseph Smith. So this is the scriptural support that Larry Porter is referring to. Remember, the only Bible verse that he uses in this entire article that gives us an idea of what this doctrine is all about is Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, and primarily in verse 2, where it says, by whom also he made the worlds. Larry Porter drew the conclusion that because Jesus made other worlds, that these were inhabited worlds. The Bible doesn't support that. It doesn't say anything like that at all. We understand worlds to not only mean other planets or even stars or things that are out in the heavens, but it also can be understood to speak of the age as well. Bill, I'm noticing the four standard works. You certainly have the Bible. You just mentioned Hebrews chapter 1. We just read from Doctrine and Covenants, and certainly the Pearl of Great Price when you talk about Moses. But I see nothing here from the Book of Mormon, which is supposed to be the most correct book on earth, and a man could get nearer to God by abiding by his precepts than by any other book. You would think somewhere in there the Nephites would have been informed, as the 19th century Latter-day Saints were informed from Doctrine and Covenants section 76. You would think that it would, but then again, as we've, we've uh, shown in other shows previous, the Book of Mormon doesn't teach you a lot of those unique teachings. In fact, uh, you can't find a whole lot of unique LDS doctrine in the Book of Mormon, which makes me wonder if the Nephites, which in the, in the Book of Mormon narrative are supposed to be the, the people that you would think we would be rooting for because they seem to be, at least during much of their history, to do what is right in the eyes of God, at least that's the impression that's given, whereas their dark-skinned counterparts, the Lamanites, very rarely do you ever see them having any type of a revival and they're doing things that are right. Most of the time, we read about them doing things that are evil and corrupt. But this idea of populated worlds most certainly is a part of LDS theology, because if you have that section 76 in the Doctrine and Covenants, that talks about, as we read, worlds are and were created, and the inhabitants thereof are begotten sons and daughters of God. And it's interpreted to mean, and as Larry Porter seems to believe, and as he has cited, Joseph Smith seemed to believe that this means that there are inhabited planets, then you can't deny that this is a part of LDS theology. In other words, all the comments that we cited earlier from people like Joseph Fielding Smith and Brigham Young, it's not just their opinion. 
they are basing this on what their unique scripture tells them. Think of the implications of this, Bill, because John 3.16 says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It doesn't say worlds. I can't think of any other reference either that would reference that Jesus would have not only died here, but then he would have gone somewhere else and died there. So the death that he had here on the earth apparently was not efficacious enough to be able to take care of all the sins of all people on other worlds. So imagine how many times a guy like Jesus is going to have to go and die and do the same thing over and over again. And again, your question, your query is just based on some of the things that we have read from LDS leaders. Now, there may be a Mormon apologist out there who thinks he has the silver bullet answer to all those questions, but I think you do raise a very good question. You would have to think, and I'm going back to a statement by Brigham Young, there never was a time when there were not gods and worlds. And he talks about that they all have their own redeemer, they all have their own tempter. That would seem to be a little bit different than the way it's described in Doctrine and Covenants 76, where it seems to be it's Jesus doing it all over the place. That doesn't seem to be the conclusion that Brigham Young had, at least in that statement that I was paraphrasing here. Tomorrow, we're going to wrap up this subject regarding human inhabitants on other worlds. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another viewpoint on Mormonism.